in the book of Romans, and be in chapter 6. So if you guys have your Bibles, you feel free to turn to Romans chapter 6. So again, my challenge to you today is to try to learn what we're going to call the Romans Road, the Romans Road. The message today is simply entitled, The Gift, The Gift. Let's just start with our scripture, and then I'll try to explain a little bit about what the Romans Road is and what, what we're trying to accomplish for the next few weeks. So Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the word of God says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right. Can you read together with me today? Because again, we're trying to get this in our mind. All right? I want you to learn it. For the wages of sin is death. Gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's do one more time. Again, I'm trying to help you guys and... So sink it in there. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, uh, guys, I was sharing with you as I, um, we do a jail program up in Hamilton County, and on Monday nights for six weeks, we minister to guys there. And what I'll endly, usually end up sharing, we have some guys on my team that have been through the addictions, and they've been through a really hard life, and they come and share their story, which is amazing. And my story is that my dad, who's here today, it's a really great privilege that he's here today for this, he helped lead me to the Lord. And so what I share is that because of the decision that he made to repent and to follow the Lord, my life and my two brothers' lives is completely different than what it could have been. And so that resonates with those guys there in the jail too because I tell them for their kids, hey, if you make that change now, if you make that decision, think about how different the lives of your children's lives could be. Um, and when I'm usually telling my story, I tell about how I came to Christ. And so you guys, I've told the story probably a hundred times since I've only been here in four or five years. I've told you that many times, right? And you guys know how that when I was a young child, the Lord came spoke to my heart. And what I usually do is I walk through the Romans road. The Romans road is a series of a few passages in the book of Romans that shows us how to share the gospel so someone can know the truth about their sin, the truth about Jesus, the truth of how to receive Jesus. And best of all, the very last part is that anyone whosoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Okay. So what we're going to do for the next few Sundays leading up to Easter is we're going to work our way through this Romans road, and I'll give you a little bit of context around some of these verses. And what I'm challenging you to do is to be able to memorize these verses. Our kids are great at memorizing, aren't they? Isn't it amazing how when you learn something as a child, you remember it, and now that I'm uh, 40, almost 48, I can't remember what happened yesterday. <laughs> but I can remember what I learned when I was little, right? So maybe a little more work for us, but I really want to challenge you, especially now through Easter, see if you can soak these things into your mind and into your heart. So let's briefly again, just again, uh, practice and repetition here will encourage you. Let's look at these verses in Romans. So Romans 3, 23, this is where we started last Sunday. And the word of God says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? And again, not to rehearse the whole sermon from last week, but where we have to start with the good news is we have to talk about the bad news. 
The bad news is that the law shows us that we're all sinners, right? Remember briefly from last week, right? If you lie, you're a what? You're a liar. If you lust, you're a what? You're an adulterer. If you take the name of the Lord in vain, you're a what? You're a blasphemer. Don't hide from the truth of the law. The law exposes sin in us. Nobody in this room, and there's some great people in this room, but nobody in this room can hold all of the law. You've already broken it. You need redemption. You need a Savior. And so that reminder last week was everybody is a sinner. We're going to talk a little bit more about that even today. And then our verse for today, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Next week, we're going to do probably one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. But God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still or while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the middle of your mess, <laughs> God loved you. He didn't wait for you to get cleaned up. See, I already want to preach that today, but we're going to hold off on that, all right? Then the next week, we're going to talk about Romans 10, 9, and 10. This is those instructions about how do we come to Christ. If you, if you declare or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Again, strong promises in this verse. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then finally, the last verse of the Romans road that we're going to work through, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be, will be saved, which is an incredible verse. It comes out of the Old Testament. We'll talk about that when we get there, okay? So you've got those verses, right? That's, I mean, that's not really that much, right? Maybe you even hate school. Maybe you were horrible at tests. But good night, man. You could one, two, three, four, five, six verses. You could knock that out, right? Okay. So let's work together. I'm going to help you each Sunday. And again, like we did last Sunday at the end of the message, I'm going to walk you through this verse again. And I want you to try to, to pray and say, Lord, help me to memorize these verses. So what will happen is that the next time that the Lord puts somebody in your office or in your neighborhood or at the store, and all of a sudden you can tell they are seeking the Lord, you don't have to say, wait a minute, I need to see if I can find my preacher's cell phone so I can ask him how he can share Jesus with you, right? Because through these very simple passages and your testimony, you can share the gospel of what God has done. All right, let's look in the context for our passage today. So this is going to be again in Romans chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 19 to start. Romans 6, 19, Paul writes there to the church at Rome. He says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Verse 21, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in what? In death. Think about that. You're going to see that in just a second, okay? Those things result in death. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Are you catching that? Sin leads to death, and righteousness leads to eternal life. And then our verse for today. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you guys think about when you came to Christ and then you think about sin nowadays, how, how do you view uh, sin? Do you view sin as uh, like many dieters view their uh, junk foods? How does a dieter view their junk food? Oh, that cake looks so good. Oh, man. The blue icing, the vanilla. We were talking even about today about a triple layer cake. Oh, man. You guys, you know I've lost a lot of weight this year. And so it's starting to get kind of hard to think about the junk food, right? And I am a chipaholic. If there was ever a chipaholic, hello, my name is Travis. I'm a chipaholic. I love every kind of potato chip under the sun, right? And I had to cut out most of that stuff, and it's hard. And the way I view that stuff is, oh, I wish I could have it. It is so delicious, but I'm going to try to stay away from it. But, oh, I want it. Is that how you view sin today, a lot of sins? Do you view it like that? Oh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, whichever one fits you the best, right? Do you like... Mm, I wish I could have it. Oh, I know I'm not supposed to. I know that, that that Bible says I shouldn't go for that, but oh, I want it. Is that how you view sin? This is a good illustration here from Steve Brown. I want you to think about this. He says, contrary to popular opinion, sin is not what you want to do but can't. It is what you should not do because it will hurt you and hurt you bad. This is good. He says, God is not a policeman. He is a father concerned about his children. When a child picks up a snake and the father says, put that down right this minute, the child thinks he is losing a toy. The fact is he is not losing a toy. <laughs> he is losing a snake. Right? Sin is a snake and the wages of sin is what? It's death. So I think sometimes we view sin as like, oh, I'm trying to be a good person and stay away from stuff that we really shouldn't, I uh, really enjoy, but I'm going to try not to do that. When you start seeing that sin is something that is going to hurt you and that it is, its destination is death, then maybe it will help you as you fight it. Even as we talked about in Sunday school class today, right? We're going to look at, it's amazing to me how most of the lesson that Todd spoke about today fits with the message today. We're going to live with the end in view a little bit here. This morning, let's briefly talk about the wages of sin is death. Wages are what? Wages are what you earn, right? What'd you earn this week? Did you earn $10.30 an hour maybe? Is that something like that, right? Uh, we better not make, bring Casey down. We might bring Casey down. We start talking about wages, right, Casey? What did you earn? Have you ever earned a whipping? Whoo, boy, boy, I got more than my fair share, I think. I earned some whippings. There's people here who could testify to that today, right? I earned them. I deserved them. How many of you ever earned a badge? You guys, if you'd have seen me, you could probably guess that this nerdy preacher, I was a really good Cub Scout for one year, right? And my one Cub Scout shirt, I had the silver arrowheads that went like all the way down to my pants, right? I mean, I was, if there was something to check off, I was checking it off, and I was earning it. I deserve it. What do you earn? What do you deserve this morning? We can earn a lot of things in this world, but what I want you to check here today is the earnings, the payment 
for your sin, again, is what? It is death. The scripture says it is death. Verse 21, again, Paul says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in what? In death. Notice again, that's change here. And this is so important. This is so important. Salvation is not you praying a prayer. Salvation is not you checking off a list. Salvation is not you getting dunked in a baptistry. Salvation is when you surrender to Christ and he comes inside and changes you. And there's a change here. Paul says the things that you are now ashamed of. You didn't used to be ashamed of those things. You did them without shame, right? I enjoyed it. I I reveled in it. Rick and Vicki have great stories about the change in their life. There needs to be a change. Robert, even just a few Wednesday nights ago, reminded us that when we're convicted of sin, that's actually a good thing because it reminds us that God is our Father. So that is a good time to say, oh, wait a minute. The Lord is telling me that, yeah, I don't enjoy these things. Actually, I have some guilt about these things. I didn't have that before. The things that you are now ashamed of, they used to, when you were reveled in them, they were leading you to death. Those shameful things result in death. Now, last week, we looked at the curse from the garden. Remember that, right? For all of sin, fall short of the glory of God. And we looked at Adam and Eve in the garden, and we talked about some of the consequences. What were some of the consequences for the woman? She's going to have pain and labor, right? And her desire would be for her husband. Now, we're not going to go into that details today, but I'm sure we have some good marital conversations about that, right? What else? What was the curse for the man? He's going to have to do the ground, and the ground's going to be cursed, and it's going to have uh, thorns and bristles, and it's going to be hard work, right? And I think one thing we don't always remember to talk about is there was a curse for the serpent, right? I mean, literally, physically, he's going to be on his belly, but there was a curse for that old serpent, Satan. And what did the Scripture say in Genesis 3.15? What's going to happen? God said, my seed is going to crush your head. Did that come to pass? You better believe it. Through the cross, Jesus has crushed the head of the snake. So there are curses that came about because of sin. And again, today, as we think about this wages of sin, I want you to think just about how sin works. How does sin work? So let's look briefly in James chapter 1. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll also have it on the screen. But James chapter 1 in verse 13, James reminds us how sin works. And I think most of us, if there's anything that we are an expert in, we're an expert in sin. Amen? (laughs) We probably know this, right? But I want you to be mindful of it, and maybe you can catch things before they get too far. And I think that's what James is doing for the church there. James chapter 1, beginning verse 13, James writes to the church's First, he says, he says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So we learn a little bit about the character of God, but verse 14, look at our character. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. Is it sin to be tempted? Come on now. It's a good theologians out there, right? 
Temptation itself, depending on where it is in your heart, is not necessarily a sin, right? If something comes in your mind and it's an idea to do something that is not good, if you recognize that that's not a good idea and you reject it and you turn away from it, you've been tempted, but you have not even succumbed to the temptation. And now you can be free from whatever that sin was because through the Lord's help and his spirit, you rejected it. But let me, let me talk about this just for a second because I think this fits especially a lot of maybe the male mind or maybe it's just my mind. You guys can decide today, okay? Sometimes an idea comes into your head of something that you know is not right. And instead of rejecting it, you kind of flirt with it. You dwell with it a little bit. Oh, I shouldn't think about that. Oh, I want to kind of think about that. Oh, I should not think about that. Yeah, I won't do that. I would never do that, but maybe I will think about how I would never do that. Anybody tracking with me, or is that just a preacher? Right? That's where temptation is starting to conceive and to give birth to sin. Where that line is in there, I don't know, and that's up to the Lord. I don't want to be there. I have to repent of that. Are you guys tracking with me? Now, let me, please, Brother Four Lines down at my college, you always reminded of this. I would much rather you think about hitting me with a baseball bat than actually doing it. They are both sin, but hey, brother, if you'll just think about it, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> right? Okay. So definitely there's, there's an advantage to not acting out on those thoughts, but still those thoughts, as you dwell on them, they can be sin. That's where things start to take a turn. Now look at the progression here that James gives us, right? Again, God doesn't tempt in you. Who's tempting you? Either the devil is, or if you want to say the way that he works, the world, the flesh, the devil, or especially as we look at those sins, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Briefly, let's just do those again so you guys are tracking with me, okay? Lust of the flesh is those things where your flesh says, I crave it, right? What does your flesh crave? You, things that you need, really, right? But when you abuse them, like food, you realize that when you, you can overcrave and overeat what, more than you should, and that is not good. As a matter of fact, that can be sin. Everybody tracking with that? The lust of the flesh. Hey, we're human beings. We're created to procreate, right? It's a beautiful thing by design, but that can be distorted, can it? Right? And that lust of the flesh, that desire inwardly can be a craving that we can enter into sin. What's the lust of the eyes? See, sometimes I think maybe this again is a male thing, but we confuse lust sometimes as a craving, but I think sometimes lust is just simply an idea of possession. Do you want to possess anything today? My mom was singing about, you know, I'll trade houses and lands, the idea of giving away those possessions. Man, it is, especially in America, you have, we have the lust of possessions, don't we? I want to own things, right? Again, my Indian friends, they, they'll say, in America, even the cars have houses. Right? What? Oh, yeah, I, I want to have a nice house and a nice vehicle, and I want to have the latest phone and the latest iPad and the latest gadgetry, or I want to have the nicest, stylish clothes. I want to possess the devil likes to work through that. Some people, that is definitely where he prods and pokes. That's with people too, right? You hear what I'm saying? 
The lust to possess someone, right? And again, I hope you take this in the right way from the right spirit. Some people look for a trophy wife or a trophy girlfriend or a trophy husband, right? Oh, if only I have this person that looks like this beside me, standing beside me, I want to possess them and own them, and then I feel better about myself. Does the devil work that way? Oh, man, you better believe he does. There are some people that we try to possess. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? I want people to know who I am. I want them to know how intelligent I am. I want them to know how uh, my identity, whatever I'm identifying myself, whether it's by my humor or by my looks or by my athletic ability or by my knowledge of something, I want to be known as wise and smart and valuable and powerful. And the devil plays on that, doesn't he? How offended do you get when somebody doesn't know you when somebody misjudges you. Well, that old country farmer, he doesn't know a thing, right? He must be an old hick. One of the smartest people I ever met in my whole life was Wendy's grandpa. And I think he had like eighth grade education, right? <laughs> but what happens is some people misjudge us because they don't know us and then all of a sudden we get all offended, right? Be careful, the devil will use stuff like that. The lust of the flesh Lost the eyes, the pride of life. That's where temptation begins. Temptation hits, and then sin gets conceived. And then when sin, that idea starts becoming from a temptation to a deep idea, and then it begins to birth itself. And then once sin births itself, what does it do? What does it look to do? It looks to grow just like cancer does, doesn't it, right? Isn't that how sin works? Well, especially in your relationship with God, well, I didn't have, again, Bear with me this morning. This may not be you. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you today. I didn't have time to pray today. I didn't have time to read my scripture today. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. Well, I had to stay up late last night. I mean, that NCAA tournament game went to almost 1230. And I know I got to get to work. Okay, well, maybe, maybe the next day. I'm, next day I'll have my devotions. And you guys, real quick, by the way, and you know this, I'm preaching the choir today. But church is the same way, Right? Well, we can't come this Wednesday, but maybe we'll come next Wednesday. Or this Sunday morning. We can't come to Sunday school today, but I'm sure we'll be there next week. Or we can't come to church today because we have this going on, but maybe that next week we'll be there. And then the next week comes, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh no, we've been gone like three or four weeks. If we show up now, people are going to just like make fun of us when we walk in the door. They'll be like, where have you been for so long? Now we really can't go. Right? And again, bear with me, that's kind of a humorous, simple thing, but that is definitely how sin likes to grow. How about an addiction? How does sin like to grow? Right? Man, I've had a bad I think I'm going to go eat my sorrows a little bit. It's been a while, but I'm going to go have a drink today. It's been a hard day. Just for today, just a little bit. Right? Yeah. I come home and... Uh, well, it's been a rough day. I know I was hard on my wife, but it's been a bad day. I'll be nice to her tomorrow. <laughs> right? It looks to grow, doesn't it, right? The next time then you eat a little more or you drink a little more, you take a little more of that drug to escape just a little bit, sin starts to grow. And when sin gets grown, what happens? It's like the fastest growing cancer, isn't it? It will eat you alive. Are you hearing me today? Are you not hearing me? Are you hearing the Lord today? The wages of sin is death. 
There's temptation, there's conception, there's the birth of sin, then sin grows like a cancer. And if it is not cut out, what are you to cancer? You cut it out, right? You guys, some of you guys have seen chemotherapy, right? I mean, it is horrible, isn't it? Why do we have to put poison in someone's body? Because the cancer is so bad, poison is better. That's crazy, isn't it? We need to see sin like that. The sin is like cancer and it's growing so bad, we got to cut it out. Get rid of it. Again, sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. Hear, you, hear the words of the Lord this morning. If sin is not confronted, if it is not forsaken, it always leads towards where? What is the true north for sin? It's going to death. It is taking you there. If you don't hear anything else today in the message, hear this today, right? What sin wants to do is it wants to take you to death. And it's been wanting to do that ever since Adam and Eve in the garden. That's what its role is. That's what its job is. And it's good at it. And the only way to confront sin is is to confront it, repent of it, and forsake it. So if sin was temptation coming, you'd start right there. That's the best place, right? But sometimes we all know how this is. We dwell on the temptation, right? Guess what? Confront it, forsake it, repent of it. Sometimes it gets a little further. (laughs) Sometimes it gets deep and we have to work to cut it out. Confront it, forsake it, repent of it. Because if you don't, it's going to drag you to death. The wages of sin is death. Are you getting it today? I mean, it's pretty simple, right? I don't think it's too complex. But if you're trying to share this with someone about the gospel, what you're trying to say is you have something within you that is trying to drag you to destruction. And sometimes it feels pretty fun, but I'm going to tell you that get a little bit down the road, it's not fun at all. It gets worse and worse and harder and harder, and its destination is destruction. Its destination is death. Physical and spiritual death resulted from the original sin, and our sin continues to drive us toward that same destination. If you continue sinning, you are just pushing yourself towards death. If you forsake the gift given by God, you are headed towards eternal death. Here, here the preacher out again this morning. Again, you judge this out, you study it out with me today, okay? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what kind of life? eternal. My challenge to you today is that the death is eternal. Okay, let me give you a quick, I got a couple words here from uh, Ravi Zacharias just to encourage you about these truths. And here's this first one. He says, the scripture makes it clear that man is condemned eternally. A.A. Hodge in his theology says, there is no more word more emphatic for eternal than the one use of hell in the New Testament. And most of the time it's used by Jesus himself. Leon Moore says the word was applied to an age that was to never end. Ajit Fernando in his book reminds us that 64 times the same word is used to remind us of heaven's eternality. So follow this logic. Would it not be logical to conclude that in the seven occurrences of eternal to describe the antithesis of these blessings, that the idea is that of duration without end. In other words, hell's eternity is also talking of an unending, physical, real separation from God. If heaven is eternal, hell is eternal. If Jesus uses the same word for hell that he uses for heaven, it's the same thing. The wages of sin is is death. And it is definitely physical. Sin is tearing us down. Even now, as we grow older, the curse of sin is wearing us out and tearing us down. But it is beyond that. If you do not accept the gift freely given, which we're about to talk about, the really good news, (laughs) 
But if you reject that gift, your destination is destruction. Eternal. That's not my words. That's the words of our Lord. Eternal death should motivate us to move the mountains to tell people about the choice of life. Look at the very bottom of that slide. What does it say with a little megaphone beside it? Tell somebody. (laughs) Pray for somebody, tell somebody. Give somebody a Bible, tell somebody. Give them a card, tell somebody. Send them a text, tell somebody. Tell somebody. This is another illustration again about this. You've probably heard this before, but this always works in my mind. There was a man by the name of Charlie Peace. He was a criminal in England. And back in the day when they had executions, on the day he was being taken to his execution, he listened to a preacher reading from the Word of God. And when he found out he was reading about heaven and hell, well, he looked to the preacher and he said, Sir, now listen to this. Sir, if I believed what you and the church of God say, and if even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. Is hell real? Well, is the Word of God real? That's where you start, right? If the Word of God is real, if Jesus is the Son of God, if Jesus is who He said He is, and Jesus is the one who speaks of eternal life, and Jesus is the one who speaks of hell, then hell is real. All right. And we're going to talk about some wonderful positive motivation here in just a second, but I want to remind you that here is some motivation that there is a real place that sin is dragging everyone to. And unless they repent and receive the gift, they're going to face destruction. Okay, well, last time here, the wages of sin is death, okay? All right. You want to talk about something that makes you a little more happy? (laughs) The gift. The gift of God is what? The gift of God is life, and it's not just life, but it is what kind of life? What's the qualifier? Eternal life. Anybody here looking for some life? Anybody here ready to be done away with sin? Right? Anybody ready to be done away with old age? Be ready to be done away with addiction? Be ready to be done away with temptation? Death, disease, crying, weeping. Anybody want to get rid of that stuff? That's life. And it's eternal. And it's waiting for those who would receive the gift. And this is the good news of the gospel. Hey, yeah, you are in sin. And without God, you are destined to destruction. But guess what? God made a way for you to be reconciled to him. A few things here, good reminders, I think, and a good compare and contrast. Death is what? Death is earned. Remember those old commercials? Some old folks in the room here remember that, right? You earn it, right? (laughs) Death is earned. Death is deserved. Death is a result of your sin. You get death. Guess what? You earned it. It's your wages. You've lost sin. But think about this. Eternal life is a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. How many of you have been trying to take to God your earnings? Oh, man, I'm a good person. Do we have any good people here today? Right? You know, the good old, uh, oh, I don't, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't cuss. I'm a good person. I give 10% offering, but some Sundays I even give 12%. I know, but anyway, yeah. I'm a good person. Oh, you should see my church attendance. I haven't missed church in like four years. 
not even Wednesday nights. I go to revival meetings, even when the preacher makes us come and do things on Saturday or a work day. I am there. In my devotional life, it is stellar, right? One hour every morning, me in my nice little nested corner with my cup of coffee and my mug that says I love Jesus, and I sit down there, and then I pray. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I know we're all sinners, but I'm, I'm pretty good. And God, he's going to look at me, and he knows how good I am. He's going to say, come on in, you're good. <laughs> Is that how life works? Sometimes it kind of works that way in our head a little bit, right? I mean, if you're being honest, right? God, why has this bad thing happened to me? I'm trying to do good for you here. Don't I deserve good? What do you deserve? We just had this whole discussion for like almost an hour now, right? <laughs> the wages of sin is what? You deserve death for your sin, and you're telling God, hey, God, you owe me. God says, no, 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 that's not how it works. You know how it works, right? I've got a gift for you, but you can't earn it. Some of you today, you need to stop trying to earn the gift of God, right? Sometimes I feel like I have to earn gifts, even from my, my parents are extremely generous and beautiful people, and they give me things, and I'm like, I can't take this. I got to do something to earn it. I have to deserve it. And they're like, no, this is a gift, right? Remember that on our trip this week, because I'm going to have you buy, pay for everything, okay? Right? No, I'm just kidding. Right? Are you hearing me today? We try to earn things, Right? We try to earn God's favor. Can you deserve God's favor? You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. So I'm this little boy, and I'm in my mom and dad's house. We're around this dinner table. Dad comes home about 3.15. He wants supper on the table. So we eat real quick. We're not necessarily quick, but we eat at like 3.30 in the afternoon. For most people, that's kind of crazy. We would have dinner, and normally we'd have dinner, and then we'd have devotions. We'd go play, and then, of course, we have a snack like cheese and chips about seven o'clock. There's where my chip addiction started way early, right? Okay. But this one night I'm coming home, sitting down at that table and I'm like, I just don't feel right at all in my spirit. I didn't know that as a kid, that was my spirit, but that's what it was. And my dad could catch that that wasn't right. And God had already been working on me through some people at my church. And my junior church leader was talking about these very simple things here about the gospel. And my dad began to share this path all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Do you know what sin is? Hey, as a six-year-old, I knew what sin was, right? I already gotten a few whippings. <laughs> I knew what it was to do wrong, and I knew what it was to get justice for that wrong. The wages of sin is death. And then my dad, he has this maroon Bible. I think he still has it. It was a Schofield Bible. And he had a pen with it. And he, he's a good note taker. He's a lot better than I am at that stuff. And he took out this pen and he said, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He says, Travis... If you want this gift, what do you have to do to have it? You receive it, you take it. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I accept it. Are you hearing the Lord today? When you share this with somebody else and you're talking about the Romans road, it is not about church attendance. It is not about what they put in the offering plate. It is not about their prayer time and their devotional life. And all those things are beautiful, good things, okay? But none of those things help you earn the gift of God. Jesus earned it on a cross. Jesus deserves it. He lived a perfect life. Jesus took your eternal hell and he's given you this gift and says, you can be right with my father because of what I've done for you. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But oh, can you accept it and you can receive it 
and then you are changed inside out, not just from now for a little bit, from now for eternity. Can you tell that to somebody? You can probably tell it better than I can, right? Tell people that the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of God is life. And what you need to do is you need to accept it. That's all you can do is accept it. And what's on the other side of that life, of this life? Let me read this to you just briefly. This is from old Dr. D. James Kennedy. It's really good. For many centuries, the men and women in Europe looked out on the Western Sea, what we call the Atlantic Ocean, and they saw the sun uh, coruscating upon the glittering surface of the waters, and they wondered. They wondered if there was anything beyond, and scholars said that you could sail off the edge of the world. There was nothing out there at all. In fact, inscribed on, on some of the coat of arms of the nation of Spain was in its national motto, Ne plus ultra, which meant there is nothing beyond. One day, a man you're probably familiar with by the name of Columbus he went west on those shiny waters and he sailed off into the sunset and his people waited expectantly and finally after a long time the sails reappeared and the crowds were so excited they shouted with joy and Columbus announced that there actually was a land beyond the sea and it was rich, it was glorious. And the king of Spain changed the motto of that land until it reads as it does today, plus ultra, which means there is more beyond. For many centuries, Innumerable people stood beside the dark hole that we call a grave, and they watched the remains of their loved ones lowered into the earth, and they wondered, beyond the dark waters of death, is there anything beyond? Then one day, a young explorer went westering into the setting sun and descended into the blackness of the pit. He sailed off the edge of the world, and he crashed into hell, and people waited expectantly. And finally, three days later on this resurrection morning, as the sun arose in the east, the Son of God stepped forth from a grave and he declared, there is something beyond. There is a paradise beyond your greatest expectations. And there awaits a heavenly Father waiting with outstretched arms to wipe away every tear from your cheek. The gift of God is eternal life. We see a grave, we see a coffin and a casket, but it's just a little portal to what's in store, right? That is the gift of God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift is what 2 Corinthians 9 says. Okay, this morning as we wrap up, what will you do with the gift you've been given? Anybody here received a treasure? Right? Come on now. I know you're quiet, but you should not be that quiet, right? Anybody ever received a treasure of the Lord and his redemption, his forgiveness in your life? Are you going to go tick, stick that treasure in the ground? And everybody else around you is saying, you know, well, the church is a crutch, and who knows if Jesus was even God? And are you just going to sit back there and be quiet? Or are you going to stand up and be counted and say, hey, that man is God. He came to earth, and he, when he died and rose again, he came into my heart and changed me forever. You can do with it what you wish, right? We're not proselytizing. We are preaching. Here's the truth, and I want you to hear it, and you can decide what to do with it. Share it out. We need to take that treasure and give it out. So again, that picture that I wanted you to see up there on the wall is what we talked about last week. I think it's a great illustration of what we're talking about. All have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God, right? I talked about Zion Williamson last week. Remember this Duke player? He can jump out of the gym. The guy's unbelievable. But even Zion cannot jump that gulf. Remember that person I was describing earlier who has their devotions every day and they give their 10% and all that good stuff? They may jump a lot further than I might or you might, but guess what? 
Can they make it to eternal life? Can they earn it? Can they deserve it? They cannot. Not with their good works, not with their religion, not with their money, not with their morality. They cannot cross over to God because sin has wages and the wages of sin is death. And that's what's at the bottom of that picture. But the Lord has made a gift. And this is what we're going to talk about next Sunday. So we'll come back next Sunday. (laughs) And that is that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were sinners, what happened? Jesus died for us. And there's a cross that crosses over that divide that allows a sinner like me to receive a gift and to find life. All right, let's do these verses real quick, you guys, and then I'll let you get out of here for today. Again, I'm wanting you to, to learn these things. Romans 3.23, for what? All? All right, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? You guys got some work to do. Okay, let's look again today. I'll give you the verse first, and then we're going to take it, put some blanks in there. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's do it together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, who wants to take a shot? There's still a lot of it up there, right? Somebody go for us. Amen. And today, are you starting to get a little feel for what this means now, right? Sin leads to death, but oh, God has given a gift that you can't earn, you don't deserve, but if you accept, it will change you, right? All right. I'm going to trust you to work a little on this on your own, but one more time, just the blank, right? What's the passage? Romans chapter... 623. So the good thing is that the first two are the same, right? Romans 3, 23, and Romans 6.23. See, you guys are getting it already, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, really good. All right, let me give you this spoiler, and then we'll have time of prayer, and we'll go home. On the final page of the final book, if the Chronicles of Narnia, if you guys ever read the books or watched the movies, this is a really good thing to think about here. On that final page, some of the children who have been to Narnia, they begin to lament that they once again must go back to their homeland, which was called the Shadowlands, which would really be Earth. But if you know the story, Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus, he has the best news of Aslan spoke to the children. He says... You do not yet look so happy as I mean you to be. Lucy said, we're so afraid of being sent away, Aslan, and you have sent us back into our own world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? And their hearts leaped and a wild hope rose within them. Think about this for a second. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly, your father and your mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. Hope arose when death arrived. That's backwards from how we view it, right? Think about that. And as he spoke, he said, the holidays have begun. The dream has ended. This is the morning. <laughs> the nightmare is over. The morning is here. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. 
But the things that began to happen after that were so great and so beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. Think about that. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only, begin, only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter 1 of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Amen. All right, Mary Francis Chan has that big rope that he runs all the way around the building. And it's all just a normal white-looking rope. At the very top here, he has a little red part of the rope. And he says, this is your life on earth. This is the rest of your life. <laughs> right? The great story is about to begin. This is just a little, you know, chapter, maybe page two <laughs> of what's going to be this beautiful book. Right? And it begins with this truth that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is life through Jesus Christ. He's our Lord. Let's stand this morning. Today, as we always do, I want to offer you a, uh, a chance to respond. Today, hopefully most of you, I feel confident that you've heard the gospel before. You know that truth. But maybe today is the day that the Lord speaks to your heart and you want to confess your sin and repent and receive him. So we encourage you to do that today. For most of you today, I know that there's someone in your life, and that's what I want you to do today. I want you to pray for them. There's a person that you love that is strained from God or maybe that has never known God and the Lord is challenging you today to give the gospel to them. And what I want you to do today is I go and pray, uh, play for just a bit. I want you to pray for that person. Pray that God will give you an opportunity to walk them through his scripture and let the power of God and the Holy Spirit of God do a work in their heart that will transform them for his glory and for their joy.